Peyton kicked my ass today. <laughs> Welcome to the X Talk, where we dive into the secrets of unlocking the ultimate you. I'm sitting here with Tom. Tom, tell us all about you and your story. Well, I first came to the workout in, um, uh, let's see, 2012. Mm-hmm. So it's been about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was looking for doing a little more fitness work beyond Pilates, which is all I'd been doing for two years. And I slowly segued into uh, uh, two days, five days of Pilates into a couple days of Pilates, a couple days of the workout. And then finally, uh, uh, five days a week uh, at the workout, and I didn't do as much Pilates anymore. So they all kind of built, each workout kind of built on the previous workout. And I'd say within six months of being at the workout, it was uh, a dramatic change in my overall ability to, to bend and twist and lift without pain. And uh, it was dramatic dramatic improvement when I was about 55 so mm-hmm. I started that and uh, I've been very grateful for everything Aaron's done for me and mm-hmm. it's just been a life-changing experience awesome how many workouts have you completed now uh, with you about 1200 <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome but I live in another town now so I have a gym up there that I go to with a small classes and mm-hmm. trainer and you're keeping it going, which is the whole goal, yeah, you right? Just, I yeah. go five days without it, and I feel really crummy. Yeah. You are more committed than the average human. Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, I, I like everyone need incentives. And uh, without incentives, I wouldn't be committed. The incentives were realizing at 55, I wasn't, you know, things were getting darker and darker as far as fitness goes and if I didn't do something I wasn't going to be able to function so committing to a a system like the workout uh, where there's a trainer there at 630 waiting for you every day you can't stay in bed Mm -hmm. so that was the incentive that kept me committed and then of course it was a great program that showed me results and that Mm -hmm. you know that kind of reinforced the commitment but Mm -hmm. I mean, to compare myself to somebody who's not committed is hard because you just have to understand, you know, what is it about their life that they can't fit this in? Right. It's hard to say, you know, what's going to, I mean, really that's the key with, with, with Aaron and the workout is she figures out what works best for you so that you can be committed. And for me, it was just constantly being in the one-on-one training and constantly being being challenged and pressured to improve, which fortunately I did. And once you start seeing positive results, it's quite easy to stay with it. And you really, after it becomes habit, it's hard to give up. Right. And you even had a hip replacement in the middle. Oh, in the middle of that. Yeah. yeah. And that was, uh, you know, I had Matt, young, uh, short Matt or young Matt yeah. uh, get me ready for that. Yeah. He's awesome. And then when I, uh, I had the surgery. I was back at, at workout within five days mm-hmm. doing pretty much a regular uh, workout. Yeah. I remember when you walked in, you scared so me. I, didn't even, was, I wasn't uh, expecting was you just walked in. No, no cane or anything. Yeah, I couldn't it, believe it. Yeah, it really didn't need it. Yeah. I mean, the hip is made out of steel, so it's yeah. not going to break. <laughs> That's amazing. So do you feel like, especially since you have been so committed to your workouts and 
how has that affected the last 12 years, you know, the last 10 years and all the traveling and all the work that you've done? Yeah, I mean, I really compare it to just lifestyle. I have a, mm-hmm. a property in Michigan that requires a lot of manual labor, and I can remember prior to getting, I mean, I've had it for 20 years, so there was years there where I was doing work there that I would be in pain, back pain for for two days after I did some manual labor. So that, you know, the biggest improvement in my overall life has been uh, being able to do any kind of manual labor and chores, lifting, toting, and carrying without any problem whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And that's, it was pretty dramatic from where I started. So would you say your friends that aren't as committed, do you notice that they have more problems with their energy levels or with their lifestyles? Well, the friends who aren't committed aren't my friends anymore. No, <laughs> no, I don't know. It's hard to, uh, I'd say most of my friends are fit. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. They do something, you know, golf or tennis or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't have any many friends who do nothing right. physically. Yeah. Well, being a lawyer, <clears throat> and a lot of lawyers are super committed to their profession, you know, and they're really, you know, it's a lot of sitting and it's a lot of reading and it's a lot of intellectual, intellectual stuff. So, and that's being your priority in life. And I've always said, like, for a lawyer, I've always said this about you. You're the least, you you were, have always been the least stressful lawyer, lawyer I've ever met. Like, you really maintain that stress management. And how do you do that? Hmm, I don't know. That's you always have. Question. I mean, it's your personality. So <laughs> Yeah, it is. I think it is. I've had young a lot of young lawyers come through our office that I've had to mentor and and we've had a few that just can't do it. And, and I, you know, they're smart people. They're nice people. They just, it's, it, they just don't have the ability to withstand the stress. And I don't know why that is. It's just a personality thing. I mean, perhaps you can learn that, but, mm-hmm. um, I always tell them if after a year you're miserable, you should probably find a different area of mm-hmm. the law. Mm-hmm. And not only like, are you a lawyer, but then you also have all these other passions that you were able to, you know, to, to pursue and put a whole bunch of effort into like the sister cities. Mm-hmm. So what, what about the sister cities was so inspiring to you to help you with your purpose? Yeah. And I guess that's part of stress management is to have interests outside of the practice of law. Cause right. I don't know that anybody could survive if all they did was trial work. But right. but certainly from 20 years ago, I started getting involved with a not-for-profit called Sister Cities that my partner had started 20 years before that, Howard Chapman. And it's, uh, it's a way to connect with people in other cities. Uh, Fort Wayne has official uh, relationships with five other cities around the world, Japan and China and Burma, Malamiyain, and uh, Germany and Poland. And over the years, it's just been a way to, uh, well, most in the last two weeks, I've been raising money for our uh, sister city in Poland, mm-hmm. which has been taking in refugees from the Ukraine because oh, of the invasion wow. of Russia. Yeah. Poland has taken on two million refugees. Um, and you know, the largest city in Poland is Warsaw, and it's like 1.5 million. So two million is a lot of people and Płock, our sister city is involved with that. So we've been raising money for the refugees who've been coming to Płock and helping them with that. And 
Our sister cities do that likewise. When the pandemic hit, our sister city in China sent us uh, masks and helped us with some PPE. And uh, so it's a great way to make friends. If you like meeting people of other cultures, it's a great way to make friends. And and the thing, the, the, the mission is where Eisenhower started it in 1956. And the mission is bringing peace to the world through friendships, one-on-one relationships. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that happen? Have you seen that? Yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, the count, there's countless stories of, of <laughs> what's happened. Uh, you know, just there's a woman in town who's a, who's a gynecological oncologist and provides services to uh, women that prior to her practice, opening her practice, had to go to Indianapolis for, mm. um, her name's Podzielinski. And, uh, she came to this town originally from our sister city as part of a folk dance group cool. and fell in love with a man here, uh, John Podzielinski. And then, uh, uh, had children, went to, went to undergrad here, went to, went to med school and then eventually opened up her practice and all of that because of a, cultural dance exchange (laughs) and we have a lot of stories like that yeah i love that it's amazing yeah and going back to what i was saying before you being that steady eddie and you in what i always have loved about you and appreciated about you is you know we can you're like i said this the least stressed lawyer that you always show up you're always committed right and it's not about all in all out but you're always really committed to to maintaining yourself which i feel like people overlook because they're really committed to their job or really committed to their family, really committed. And not that you're not, but because you had that one hour a day, because you kept doing that, you were able to do all these other things. It feels like, you know, you're no no question about it. They all, uh, they all benefit. I mean, each one of those qualities of your life benefit from the other. And and Mm -hmm. certainly we, we fortunately in my building where I practice law, we had a small uh, workout area in the basement Mm -hmm. and showers. So, you know, there was just no excuse. And Mm -hmm. it it wasn't like I was entirely sedentary before I, before I came here, but uh, I had some period where I had some back issues and I kind of had to give up working out. But prior to that, I was always working out in the, in our uh, office mm-hmm. and playing a lot of tennis is what kept me fit. Mm-hmm. And it was tennis I had to give up because of the back problems, which mm-hmm. eventually yeah. led to no activity at all. And then finally getting back on track. So yeah, that it's always workouts have been, mm-hmm. you know, I go back, I have a, steno pads like you have there with all my workouts in them and they go back to law school oh wow i didn't know that yeah that's how i know how many times i've been here yeah i know (laughs) i've always wondered that too i'm sure we have it somewhere but you always kept track and like okay so did your family work out like what inspired you Uh, certainly both my brothers were athletes one of them works out a lot he's a very good athlete still he's quite older than me too uh the other one's was an athlete but uh he's a little more sedentary now Mm-hmm. Parents were typical Depression era parents That did nothing mm-hmm. I mean you know, they grew up Doing manual labor In yeah. the south part of Illinois And uh, and uh, Didn't Really didn't even walk Once they hit retirement Wow <laughs> and We they, tried Yeah Did they go to college? They missed out on that craze You know Yeah Yeah they're both professionals They're both teachers Oh okay Okay They just uh yeah. That generation, I don't know if your parents were that way, but they Mm-mm. people did not uh, didn't think about fitness. They just mm-hmm. 
work their asses off for 50 years and then say, that's it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Watch TV for the rest of their lives. Yep. Yep. And the other thing I've always loved about you too, is how involved you are. You were with your daughter growing up. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. super, like Took her way to more. Every day. Yeah, way more than the the typical man. So, where did you get your your life principles? Like, how did you develop these principles in your life? When, like I was saying, you're you're uncommon. You're not. When I look at you, you are uncommon. The way you act, the way you know, not in just the things you say. Mm-hmm. You actually follow through. So, tell me about. Well, that. certainly with children, it's your parents. I mean, you're your best teacher or the way your parents treated you. And, and certainly I had, I had unconditional love for my parents and they, uh, they, you know, made it obvious to us how they felt about us. And there was never any moment in my life where I didn't feel like they would do anything for me. And, uh, you know, they were strict, but not crazy strict. Um, made sure we traveled a lot as children mostly in the United States and Canada. Uh, and we just, I always treated my daughter the same way. Well, she got to travel to North Africa and Asia and Japan and Burma. And <laughs> trips were a lot more exciting than the ones I had. Excellent. Okay, so what does the world need to know? If you could teach the world something, if you could tell the world something. I think the theme of sister cities is probably something the whole world can benefit from. And one of the uh, positive um, aspects, I think, of this Ukraine crisis is how almost the entire world, other than a couple exceptions, has come together uh, to uh, support Ukraine, provide assistance, help with the refugees. And uh, that's a real theme of sister cities is is uh, reaching out to other countries in time of need and helping them. And I think our country does a good job of that. So um, certainly Sister Cities is kind of the philosophy is the same as mine about making friendships and being committed to people and organizations that do good in the world. And, mm-hmm. You know, we were talking earlier about individuals being at peace or, you know, trying to bring peace to the world and uh, you know it's a noble goal, and I don't I don't know if there's anything more important than that, especially um, you know on the verge of this current crisis. Don't you feel like too that all the traveling you did helps with the commonalities that we have for people? Like, do people need to travel more? Do we need to be more understanding? What is the like when it comes to peace? When it comes to world peace? Yeah, it's hard. Uh, you know, it's travels not. For everybody, I would agree, because I've been on trips where people, um, you know, don't appreciate the differences. You know, I'm enjoying the indigenous curries and Mm -hmm. spicy foods, and they're thinking, oh, I wish I had a McDonald's hamburger. Well, Uh, you know, you spend most of your life in in America, you really ought to try something new. So, you know, it's not for everybody, but I, I, I think that once you've experienced another culture, you do have a greater appreciation for your own um, because it is unique and it's not the only culture. I think a lot of people that never leave our country 
um, think that everybody in the world loves America. Everybody in the world wants to be here, and that's just a you know a huge myth. If you go to Japan, you'll find the most proud people mm-hmm. who think they've had the greatest civilization since the beginning of time, <laughs> and they make a good argument that they do. I mean, their aesthetic is unparalleled in this mm-hmm. country, and uh, and you appreciate each culture. And if you're meeting the right people, they have the same appreciation for what you have to offer. And again, that goes back to personal relationships, one-on-one relationships, and mm-hmm. just trying through that to make the world a better, mm-hmm. better place. But yeah, I think anybody with an open mind would have a benefit from mm-hmm. spending time in other cultures. And you know what we have in this country of plenty uh, of everything. Uh, you know, most people don't want for food or shelter, and, and there's a lot of countries where. Right now, Ukraine being just one where people are in need of food and shelter and, and medical care, and, and we have all of that. So I think if you spend a little time in these underdeveloped countries, you you do appreciate what you have, and you might be a little more generous to the people around you and not be so mm-hmm. um, demanding and complaining about minor inconveniences like, you know, wearing a mask or keeping (laughs) social distance. You know, people had so much trouble with that. And, you know, there's such minor inconveniences when, Mm -hmm. you know, other people are dying around the world. Right. And like going back to the principles too, like, I just feel like with, with raising kids, that's the one thing that I wanted to do for my kids is show them other cultures other than this one, you know, conservative white Southwest Fort Wayne, you know, <laughs> that's what I, then that's one of the things that my husband and I always talk about is like, we want, we want our kids to see how people experience life and how, what, how, why they think that way and what they do over there and not ever, you know, I just felt like that's, and you did that with your daughter too. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was really important mm-hmm. to just show them. I mean, everything. if you think everybody loves America and wants to be here, mm-hmm. you have a very stilted version of the world because mm-hmm. it just isn't true. Mm-hmm. Everybody's for the most part, very proud of where they live and yeah, and what their like, country stands for. Right. And then they're just that, as proud as we are. Right. That polarization that we're feeling between like, I'm right, you're wrong, everything's mm-hmm. black and white, instead of like that coming together that we need to have, and then which would be world peace, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone's understanding. Right. Everyone says they want world peace, but then they go home and like hate, you know, another person because they're different or because they're wearing a mask or not wearing a mask or whatever that is, you know. Yeah, it's hard to there is a lot of that I mean, going if on. You've, if you've spent any time abroad, I don't know how you'd ever have problem at home with right. Understanding other people. It's just the same thing really. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we get a lot of people in here that come in and complain about politics or whatever, right? Yeah. And, and I that's know, always like right well that's now. always my my question is always, well, what can you do about it? Cause there's not a lot that we can do globally on a, a large scale, mm-hmm. but there's a lot that we can do here with our interpersonal relationships and our right. peace inside. Because if it's not, if it's not possible for me to be at peace, then it's not possible for the world, right? If it's not possible for you and I to, to agree on differences, mm-hmm. then it's not possible for the world. So I feel like we could go, we need to go some people can go broad, but we need to start small and work from there and work with like, you know, get to know the Burmese people in Fort Wayne, Mm. you know, and get, and go to other different restaurants that aren't, you know, stuff like that. I think people can do and really appreciate and love and like, and try something new. Yeah. I was just trying to convince Peyton to try Indian food. (laughs) Yeah. She won't. We had, she didn't, Neve was 
Indians in here. We had a couple right Indians. Right across the street is one of the best Indian restaurants I've ever been to, and I've been all over the world. Taj Mahal? Taj Mahal. Oh, yeah. I love that place. It's fantastic. And she, I don't know. Really? Oh, okay. She never had a massage either. So I got her a massage for Christmas. <laughs> and I gave her a problem, or is she like it? Oh, no. She's just, I just didn't know that. I was like, wait a minute. You've never right. had a massage? Like, we need to, we, we can educate her. We'll yeah, do our I part. I told her they have a buffet at noon, so maybe she'll go over and try everything. Yeah. Oh, I'll go over there. That sounds awesome. <laughs> okay, Tom, anything else? Uh, I think I said everything I, I wanted to. Okay. We can always do it again if you have more to say. Okay. okay. Love you. Thank you. <laughs>